People's Church podcast. This is part six of our series, Streams, with a message entitled, Your Conditions Are in the Way, with Pastor Nelson Jones. We're going to talk to you about the biggie today. This is uh, the subject that doesn't get any larger in life or any larger in theology or any larger in heaven or earth. This is what it's all about. This is the whole deal. We're going to talk to you about the stream of love today. What better Western thing? I mean, many country Western songs I know are about the breakup of love, but there's also those that are really like those tear-jerking, I forget, trying to remember the one that I really like. But anyway, it's like just romantic kind of stuff. This is love in its deepest component. Let me ask you a really tough question to start with, and I'm going to get you to feel comfortable this morning by raising your hands to yes, you do, or no, you don't. You ready? So here's the question. I want you to, if you, if you actually don't do this, raise your hand, okay? How many of you do not read the terms and conditions when you're signing up for something? You don't read it. Be proud of your rebellion. Okay, how many here actually do read the terms and conditions? Seriously? <clears throat> Seriously, we have three. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing, you know, you know when you're going to sign up for something and they got this, you know, all terms and conditions and all of them have it. And you go there and it's this long spiel. It's got a lot of legal jargon and it's there to limit the liabilities and all of that. And it just gets like, come on. I, I just wanted to sign up, you know, for this quickly. And an hour later, you're still on terms and conditions. Uh, for instance, there was a gal, this is a true story. There was a lady who lives in Florida and she signed up for travel insurance. When you buy a flight or you book a hotel, you can always get the travel insurance, right? So she clicked, yes, I accept the terms and conditions. But she read the whole thing. And when she got to the end of it, it said this, that if you've read this far, shoot us an email because you're the first person to do that. You win (laughs) $10,000. And she did. She won $10,000 because she was the first person. This had been up there for months and months and months and it had never been claimed. This lady read every term and conditions. Now, next time, Just skip to the last paragraph. You may win (laughs) $10,000. iTunes, part of their terms and conditions. You know, you go there and they've got their terms and conditions. It says that you cannot use any of these products for the development or production of nuclear or biological weapons. Okay? That's a good clause right there. If you think about it, if you were out there to make nuclear or biological weapons, you're probably not listening to terms and conditions. That's not the thing that's going to stop you. Oh, you know, it says we can't, so we won't. Won't work that way. Terms and conditions don't have to make sense. One of of the best is in a small town in England. They have public Wi-Fi. And uh, you've ever done public Wi-Fi, you get it. Wi-Fi at the airport or anywhere. You click terms and conditions, right? And most of the time, like you got like, I'm just in between flights, I don't have a short time, so I'm just going to click terms and conditions and not take the time to read it all. So here's here's this little town, in small town England, they have public Wi-Fi, and uh, here's how their terms and conditions go. 
when you think about it. You just say, yes, I agree, da-da-da-da. Whatever it takes for this free Wi-Fi, you are going to just do it, right? Now, thousands of people signed up for this public Wi-Fi, and they were committed, based on this little contract, to fulfill 1,000 hours of community service. And then it described not just any community service, cleaning up the public bathrooms and unclogging the sewer drains. That's what they put in there. I mean, it's just crazy. Always just read the last paragraph. We're going to talk about love. And why do we talk about conditions? Because the title that I've given this is that your conditions are getting in the way. Our conditions around love is getting in the way of love in our lives. It's stopping it cold in its tracks or it's holding it at just safe levels or it's keeping it from exploring the greatest depths of what it could be. Largely just simply because of conditions. We're gonna do a responsive reading together and so what I want to happen from the back there is um, you are going to have just this one response. His love never quits. This is one entire psalm. This is Psalm 136. And it has this response 26 times. So I want you to respond with great zest. His love never quits. I'll handle the changing phrase as we go. Every time I pause, it's going to be quick. One sentence, boom. His love never quits. Let's just practice it right now. Ready, ready? Perfect, okay, that's your responsive reading. Here we go. Thank God, he deserves your thanks. Thank the God of all gods. Thank the Lord of all lords. Thank the miracle-working God. And the God whose skill formed the cosmos. The God who laid out the earth on ocean foundations. The God who filled the skies with light. The sun to watch over the day. The moon and stars as guardians of the night. Oh, come on. Everybody's in on this. Don't die on me here. You still got 14 to go. The God who struck down the Egyptian firstborn. And rescued Israel from Egypt's oppression took Israel in hand with his powerful hand, split the Red Sea right in half, led Israel right through the middle, dumped Pharaoh and his army in the sea, the God who marched his people through the desert, smashed huge kingdoms right and left, struck down the famous kings, struck Sihon, the Amorite king, struck Og, the Bashanite king, then distributed their land as booty, handed the land over to Israel. God remembered us when we were down, rescued us from the trampling boot, takes care of everyone in time of need, Thank God who did it all. No, give yourself a hand. You did good. All right. Now, you're going to take that phrase with you all week long, aren't you? His love 
never quits. Remember that when you are being tested with doubts, when you're being tested with being down, remember that phrase. His love never quits because it never does. Now, when we talk about conditions, it was about 1800 BC that the first five books of the Bible were written. Those books... Uh, we have the record of the earliest agreements uh, for how we're supposed to treat each other, justice systems. Another one from the ancient time was Hermarabi's Code. Then it says, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That if someone pokes out your eye, you get to poke out their eye. If someone knocks out your tooth, knock out their tooth, just like a good Western if someone chops off your ear, chop off their ear, which I'm not sure what's the, all the eye poking about back then, but obviously it was a problem. They had to record uh, this down that whatever they do to you, you just do it right back to them. Now you fast forward a few hundred years and God is now using uh, Moses in this way. God is raising the standard. He's leading Israel. They are at Mount Sinai. They get uh, I, things from God in Leviticus. He has he given these instructions. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's upped the game. He's called for a higher level of love. And if you fast forward another 1,500 years or so, we see the ministry of Jesus where they're living under this command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And even in that command, they sought to find their way around it. So the lawyer came and approached Jesus in the public square and said, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus told a fascinating story about somebody who was, uh, had, where they had been radicalized in the sense of they were racist views towards them. They were, these were an unacceptable breed of people. The Samaritans. And it's the story of the Samaritan who stops to help the man who's been beaten, where the priest and the Levite walk on by. Those that were asking him, who is my neighbor, didn't stop. But rather, those that were disenfranchised stopped and demonstrated this love for neighbor. Your neighbor is everyone, was the message. Love everyone as you love yourself. And then he even ups the game a little bit from that at the Last Supper. He says, I want you to love as I have loved you. Now that is a huge, huge challenge. Because we want to understand the purest form of love so we can look at ours and negotiate and navigate that turns ahead to improve love in our lives. And so I want to read to you a scripture from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 that really states what it's like to love as Jesus has loved us. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. 
That is the most challenging challenge you can have in life is to love that way. Just I was in a conversation recently and the subject of love was a part of this conversation. So I drew something on the board to illustrate that particular challenge. And I identified uh, for them, there was two people in the room with me, and I identified for them how love is to function in a relationship. And so we are told here, Jesus loves us in such a way that he doesn't expect the return. As if he's trying to get something, to use love in some kind of form of manipulation or coercion or control to meet his own needs or to meet his own drives. Instead, he just loves us. Now, what's being described is what I would just call an originating love. It originates in Jesus and it has its finished uh, line right in you. He loves you, he loves you, period. He loves you, period. He loves you, period. He loves you, period. Now, everything about us doesn't like that period when we are in relationship. We wanna add conditions. We wanna make it conditional. So what we do is create a little loop. And so we say, I will give you love if you return to me what I want. So you got two lines now. You got the line going out and then you got a line coming back. And I will give you love as long as this return line is in place. And if the return line ever fails, I will cease to give you love. I will start to withdraw my love from you. It's sad, but this is how many people approach the love of God and it's so off. He just loves you period. When we take a look at the return lines of our life, we begin to understand that conditions rule much of our love in this planet. I'll love you if. I will love you if. Let me give you four relational fundamentals that conditions, like just having conditions on love, damage. There's four relational fundamentals that are necessary for your relationships to thrive. One is acceptance. Acceptance is that a thing that gets so misunderstood for what it is. Somehow we think that by, if we give acceptance that we are giving away a, a sort of some kind of, of holy standard and we shouldn't accept that about them. Acceptance and approval are two different things. Jesus had a lady dragged to him in the streets because she had committed adultery. I don't know why the man wasn't there, but I guess it had more to do with the culture than anything else. It certainly didn't have to do with God. And as she was confronted on the streets and brought before Jesus, and by the law, absolutely caught red-handed, guilty as sin. And they're saying, law says, She's to be killed, stoned, taken outside the city and stoned. What do you say, Jesus? Jesus didn't debate law. He just said, those of you that have never sinned, throw the first stone. What was he saying? He's saying, you may be right on the law, but you're wrong about you. You are not in any position. You are not qualified to throw anything. And so they didn't. They dropped 
They had enough conscience left in them to drop the stones and walk away. So what did Jesus say to the woman following this? We find an interesting exchange. He says to her, woman, where are your accusers? Once they were all gone. And she said, they've left. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. Acceptance is it letting somebody within your realm, within your space, within your time, within, within your life, that you give them acceptance. But it's not the same as approval. It's not approval of everything that they do or say. It's not approval in that way. Let me ask you a personal question. How many of you approve of yourself 100%? Are you approve of everything you do? Everything you've done? Pfft. Of course not. But it's still important that you accept who you are. And Jesus loves and he accepts us as we are. Because it's in that relational component and that zone that things can change. And so it's acceptance within that. It's not approval. And so acceptance in a relationship is absolutely a critical component. But if we turn it into approval and we say, unless you serve my needs in this marriage, in this friendship, unless you serve my needs, you're getting no love from me. In fact, you're going to get the opposite until you give me the return line on acceptance. I will not accept you. So instead of just, I don't approve of what you said, I don't approve of what you've done, I don't approve of, of how you're doing this, instead of having the right kind of conversations, you're having a conversation that's based on acceptance and saying you have no space in my life. You have no right to be here because you are not bringing what you need to bring. You got it backwards. Acceptance maintains the zone. It maintains the connection. It says, look, I'm here. I am here. And I don't approve of this or that, but I'm there. This is something that can be hard to define out in our lives, but this is a thing that is sinking many relationships is because we are putting conditions on acceptance. Child, boy, girl, daughter, son, you're accepted if you. You might not even state it, but the way that you allow connection or not, you have no connection with me because of the way that you were acting. I break every connection with you. It was the prodigal son that broke connection with the father, not the father that broke connection with the son. We do this with kids. Uh, many of you grew up with unpleasable parents. You, you grew up you, with, with, with experience of an unpleasable teacher where you know, it wasn't ever good enough or an unpleasable friend. You, you grew up with these conditions on acceptance. Conditions on acceptance are hugely damaging. Giving approval or disapproval is something that is something that you and I, we can do and we must do with love. And if you've got acceptance, I'm not too worried about how you're going to handle approval or disapproval. 
Acceptance must never have conditions to it. You say, but there isn't. It's a period. Love like I love, without expecting a return. Jesus put it best. He didn't love in order to get something from us. You're going to have many relationships in your life and every one of them will be filled with disappointments and low performance at times. If you are going to measure out acceptance with conditions, I guarantee you that you are destroying the foundation of that relationship. If you keep acceptance, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're my husband, you're my wife, you're my friend, you're my brother, you're my sister, you are my friend, I am not going to just move out of this. I affirm that. But I disapprove of this choice or of this practice because I see it's not good for you. It's not good for us. It's destroying Now you're going to move into a conversation where change can actually begin. It's dynamic. You are not doing an eye for an eye. That's what that is. An eye for an eye. You give me what I want, I give you what you want. Whatever you give, you get back. Do you see how Jesus did not live in this world at all when it came to this return line? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This amazing acceptance that is sustained in in a love that doesn't quit. His love never quits. John 6, 37 says, the father gives me the people who are mine. Every one of them will come to me and I will always accept them. Romans 15, 7, honor God by accepting each other as Christ has accepted you. The second relational fundamental that if you have conditions on love will damage is the foundation of value. Value. Luke 12, 6 to 7 says this. Are not five sparrows sold for two small coins? Yet not one of them has escaped the notice of God. Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He's saying, I am so aware of you. You are so valuable to me. These sparrows are worth what? Two small coins? No, you're everything. What are you worth? Well, there's two things that determine value in this world that you can know value. Uh, Who made it is the first determiner of value. How many know that a Picasso is still better than your five-year-old's art? And if you were gonna sell one or the other, one would get a very warm response and one would get you the money, okay? Picasso still is gonna outsell your best drawings, Who made it matters. That's the value. Listen to who made you. Ephesians 2.10, just on from this scripture. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God made you. You're created in the very image of God. Yes, sin has marred it. Yes, you are in a place where you are in a rebellion against God. That's all mankind. And through Christ, we can have a path of redemption and mercy and grace back, which many of us here this morning have chosen. But your value has been set not by your gifts, not by your money, not by your good looks, not by any talents or experiences that you may hold, Your value is set simply by who made you. God made you. Your parents may not have held you in high value. They might have treated you quite despairingly. People that you love may have treated you very wrongly. You may have been at the butt end of a lot of mistreatment and selfish uh, selfish actions. But I can tell you that that is not what sets your value. What sets your value is simply who made you. You're made by God. God originated you. Now the second thing that determines value is what someone will pay for it. What someone will pay for it. You, you, know, you might think your house is worth this much, but it's only going to be worth whatever anybody is willing to pay for it. You may think that your car is worth this much. It's only worth how much anybody's willing to pay for it. Who, whatever they're willing to pay determines its value. So what about you? 1 Peter 1.19, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. So to, should I have one more verse in there? That paid for you. Hit the cross, paid for you. Like God sent his son for you. That is the ultimate price. So you are counted the ultimate value. There is nobody, nobody could even have the ability to pay this price. Nobody, it wasn't like a choice out of three bidders here. You weren't a product of a bidding process. You are a product of a God of love that gave what only he could give. That sets your value. How much more valuable could you possibly be than the ultimate price paid for anything? There's been nothing that has attained the price. You get wowed at some of the prices of some things that sell and you hear about this sold for that much or that sold for this much. They all put this on, you know, if you're on the net, they always say, oh, you know, here's a $10 million house you want. It's just like, it's trying to track you. Oh man, I got to see what that is. You, you, you don't understand, like that's not, even, that's not even on the auction block with God. He's not even considering a purchase of that. God doesn't even want that. What does he want? You. And that's why he put that kind of price on you. And so that price proves your value. Now, you're gonna go through life where everything is gonna challenge your value. You're going to have experiences and people that will challenge your value. Everything in this planet wants to put a little cheaper price on you. Everything that you could sell your soul for will always be a little cheaper price than than the value that God has put upon you. You you can sell out for a lot of things in this planet that will be on the cheaper shelf. 
and, and it could be things that you want and you take and so on, but you, you don't understand what you're doing. You are taking the ultimate value and you're selling out as low as you can. Your value is not gonna be set by how people or what they think. Your value is not set uh, by you working so hard to please somebody with your work and they say, good job, or maybe they don't. Your value is set by him. So these things set our value. And when we have a return line in our love with each other, whether it's within our Christian relationships or whether it's within the whole entire world of people or whether it's within your home, when you are not honoring the value of the other person, when you forget that person that you want to love with a line of origination that has a period on it in their life, When you don't do that and you get a return line, you cheapen every bit of love that you're bringing. You're not valuing them. You can devalue so quickly. I've seen it over and over again in my own practices where I've got to catch myself. What am I doing here? You can't forget the value of the person that it might even be pushing every button you got. It might be a person at work that's really pushing your buttons and you want to just kind of let it go. I want to I say to you, you must never forget their value because at that point, you are demeaning your own value down to what you are calling somebody else. Value is set by who made it, what someone will pay. Third, fundamental that conditions, conditional love damages, is forgiveness. This is a fundamental in a relationship. If, you've, if you have uh, been in a friendship uh, just even a short time or a marriage a short time, it becomes very, very obvious that this thing needs regular oiling. This thing needs regular work. And the biggest work is always forgiveness. Always forgiveness. See, the, the thing about forgiveness, and we get tired a bit of hearing about this, but you can't. You just can't. Because forgiveness is the oil that makes everything run. Uh, Look at Isaiah 43, 25. And yet I am the God who forgives your sins and I do this because of who I am. That's why you should do it. You should forgive because of who he is and if you're a Christian, who he has called you to be. Watch it said in that scripture and learn. Watch what he does and then do it. I will not hold your sins against you. You know, we really cheapen God's forgiveness of us when we, uh, you know, are willing to hold against somebody else. The story of, of this guy who got into trouble. He was a pretty wealthy guy, but he got into big financial trouble with the king. He owed the king a whole lot of money. I mean, millions of dollars. He really just, just got toasted. And so he's brought before the king and the king is giving the judgment and a fair judgment is given. He's saying, okay, take everything this man's got, take his family, everybody, sell it all, get whatever you can for it and replenish whatever we can from this lost debt. And he doesn't get out of prison until the debt's paid in full. 
He pleads for mercy. He says, don't, please, please, don't. He just begged for mercy. So the king gave him mercy. Said, all right. Wipe out his debt. The guy leaves, literally, the judgment hall of the king. And on the steps of that very same hall, there's a guy that owes him, like, just dollars. Just a few dollars. He grabs this guy. And he says, you pay up. You pay up and pay up now. And if you don't pay up, I am going to take everything you've got. This got back to the king. Oh, I wonder what he did. God is very serious about the fact of forgiveness because of what it cost him and his love that he expresses continually where he will not hold it against you. But he says, forgive those that are debtors against you. Why? So that you'll be forgiven. Forgiveness is holding the value up. It is acceptance. It's honoring the first two fundamentals of relationship that you are accepting. Look, I'm not here. I'm not here to, I'm not the one that's gonna have the final say on your choices. You know I don't approve. You know that that, uh, you've got my acceptance. My love is there. Do not ask me to approve of your decisions or your practices. But I love you. And I forgive you. Value. You stay in my zone. You get to stay. I'm not throwing you down the, down, down the road like trash. That's not what I'm doing. You can stay in my realm here. Acceptance. And forgiveness honors those two things And it allows the other person to be free before God to answer for their own decisions, not you and then God. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Wow. Very strong on it because it's a fundamental and when you put conditional love and says, I'm not forgiving them until, I am not forgiving them until there's enough heartache that they are expressing about what they caused. That's a return line. I am not going to forgive them until they get it right. When they decide to do things right, then. That's a return line. period because you've been forgiven the last of the fundamentals we're going to look at of relationship is believing in another believing in another Romans 1 12 says I mean that I want us to help each other with the faith we have your faith will help me and my faith will help you This atmosphere of believing in you, despite the hiccups, despite the up and downs, the constant keeping believing in you. You might say, I continually have this hope of this change in you. I continually have this place where I'm going to continue to feed believing in you for the best and the better. 
that is a powerful place of release for you to take action. What do I do when I've got this going on with my kid? What do I do when this is happening with my wife or my husband? What do I do? Believe in them. That they can change, they can be better, things can heal, things can believe in them. And where they're making advancements, believe in them. Don't say, well, it's, you just gotta keep proving it. You just, you just gotta keep. Believe in them. We all need this. We all need people to believe in us. You know, rejection is a huge deal. In fact, the deepest hurts you'll ever experience in all of mankind experiences are somewhere in the class of rejection, whatever that form that rejection takes. In fact, they tell us that, that the younger that uh, person, if they're really young and child and they experience rejection, certain patterns really build into their life that are hard to really overcome. And that is this seeking for approval, seeking for approval, seeking for approval. So what they're doing is they're constantly in this return line. All of the energy is going into the return line, which God is saying, don't even have one. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. Spur one another. Well, it's Western Sunday. You know what a spur is. You say, I would love to spur them. I think you have a return line. This spur really isn't meaning about giving them a big jab, but it is about bringing whatever's needed in, even if it's a challenge, to say, I'm gonna be and do what I need to do to help you go forward, because I believe in you. You know, most of the time, we're willing to do the things that take us away from confrontation. Really, sometimes when you really believe in somebody, uh, that's the very unloving thing to do, because you don't want the return line. So what you want to do is recognize there's times for you to be a challenger too. There's times for you to have to just say, hey, you know what, I'm believing in you and I know there's more in you and I know this isn't who you are and I know you are better than this on this. I know you can do this. Now just take the challenge. Get up, let's go. There are, that believing Having people that believe in you is absolutely fundamental. And the closer the relationship, the more the believing must be. And sad to say, this is where some of the return lines do the greatest damage. Because people are emerging from these loving home relationships, supposedly, without anybody really believing in them. We've stopped believing in one another. Don't. You put everything into the return line. God wants you to be an originator of love, a love that originates in your heart and it will end with a period in the other person. It doesn't create an expectation. Don't you hate it when people even want to help you, but you know there's a mile of expectations with it? Oh, I'll do this for you, but you know there's going to be a mile of expectations. Well, how do you think God feels about that? And if people feel that way, like it's the same thing. We're going to do a little love quality test at the end of this. We're going to read a scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. And then we're going to do, just to 
finish off this message, a little love quality test for you. Listen to the scriptures. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Okay, I've got some things here. Let's do a little test on this. The first is the word patient. We'll take that word reach straight up. Love is patience. Just kind of think about this. Now, why I want you to take this test is I want you to find one area that you'll say as sort of a step today, that's where I am going to seek to start, to start the process of erasing that return line. Love is patience. Yes, I'm patient. I'm a very patient man. I'm so patient, it's incredible. Uh, you know, as long as you don't keep asking me the same question over and over and over again, kid. And all the parents said, amen. I'm patient as long as I've had my cup of coffee. I'm patient. Love is patient, period. Originating in you, ending here, no return line of needing coffee for it. It's just period. You say, but, 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 even that but, 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 but on your part tells me how you want to control the world. When we can't even control ourselves. Be patient, period. That's a big one. Next, let's do this one. Love is kind. Oh, I'm, I'm so kind. I, I'm just kind all the time. The kindness just oozes from my pores. I'm kind as long as you don't disrespect me. I'm kind, but you better not bring my family into it. No, I'm kind, period. How about jealous? Love is not jealous. It's not jealous, which means it's understanding. It's understanding. To be understanding means I'm not jealous. I'm okay with that person getting the promotion. I'm just fine with it as long as they've worked hard, as long as they deserve it, as long as it wasn't just given to them. No. Love is not jealous. Period. Love is not proud or boastful. So it's humble. 
I'm not good at humility. I'm great at it. Just kidding. I'm humble as long as my opinions are at least heard. As long as you at at last considering my ideas. As long as I'm not being ignored in the meeting. Love is humble, period. Period. Love is not rude. It's civil then, it's civil. Do you think we need a little of that in our society? It's civil, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm civil. It's civil unless they start something with me. I think a good check of this would be to scan social media, maybe your own. But you don't understand they started it. I'm just telling the truth. I'm just stating the facts. Love is civil, period. Love does not demand its own way. More or less, it's easygoing. It's got an easy flow to it. I don't demand my own way. Except when I'm right. Which is most of the time, right? If I have the best idea, we should go with it. I don't demand my own way. I'm easygoing as long as we're hitting the metrics, as long as the goals are being met. No, it's easygoing, period. Love is not irritable, so it's friendly. Just don't talk to me when we're driving the bypass. It's friendly, period, in all locations. Love does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out so love is compassionate. Oh, I'm totally compassionate. I don't like to see people fail. I don't like to see people hurting unless they deserve it. Unless they're kind of reaping what they sow. Made your bed, now I in it. No, love is compassionate, period. Love is unconditional. It's unconditional, period. Why? Because that's the way that Jesus loved us. And he's telling us to love in that very same way. And if you're wondering why this is so important, why this is such a big deal, it's this. And it's found in the book of John. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's the proof. Now, you got to admit, that is the toughest list in the world to hit. So you don't want to go out there and say, I'm taking on all of that list right now. Don't do that. Please don't do that. But choose one. Maybe it's the irritable thing. Maybe it's the patient thing. Maybe it's a kindness thing. But just, just choose one. Don't, don't take them all. Please don't take them all. That's way overwhelming. You're going to have a lifetime to continue to move the ball forward in learning how to watch Jesus love and then copy that in your family, in your relationships. But I'll tell you right now that the more that you live like Jesus, this line of return does not exist. And thank God, it doesn't exist with him. 
Because of what Jesus has done for you and I, your list of do's and don'ts do not matter a whit. What your history is, what you've done, where your feet have trod, what you've said, all that you've thought, every fleeting thought, every wrong thought, every action taken that is not God serving or God honoring does not matter with Jesus because he doesn't have a return line. He just loves you. The only thing that matters is that you take advantage of that love. And you say, I don't understand it. I've never experienced this. And by the way, that's why Christians should stand out because the world is not filled to the brim with this love. Your world is not filled to the brim with this love. But I will tell you, there's nothing more important to your relationship to God or your relationship to people than getting rid of that return line. And God gave you love, period. Respond. How do you respond? Let him love you. Respond to his love. Surrender your life to that kind of love. Surrender the, the, what you are as a person. Every good, every bad, every little detail to him. Let him have it because he's not going to come back and say to you, well, okay, here's what we're going to work on first before I'm ever going to accept you before I'm ever going to believe in you, before I'll ever forgive you, and before I ever value you. Here's what you have to do. No, no, all that is gone. He has given us an ability to build a real relationship that's personal with him, but it's based on love, period. So respond to it. How do you respond to God's love like that? You simply receive the love. And what is that love's package? Jesus Christ, the son of God, loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins to create a period. And that period says it'll never change. Accept it. Receive it. Let his grace and his mercy come into your soul. Give your life to Jesus Christ and you will find that you will learn how to love and he can teach you how to get rid of that which devalues, dishonors, and breaks down relationships. You do not have a relational breakdown where this return line does not exist. I know that because I know me. So we're called to love. The biggest theological subject, the deepest theological subject, the most life and earth changing subject, and the world does need this love. Humankind does not produce this love. You don't have it in you to give. It must come from God. And the only time it can come from God is when you've received it from himself to you. God does love you. Period. It's safe to come to him. Would you stand with me, please?
you want to receive God's love today, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You say, well, what do I got to do? What's the list? See, that's what this whole message is about. There is no list. There's just a receiving. You get all the good, he got all your junk. You get all the stuff he can bring to you that is grace and mercy, that will bring all the gifts of his presence and his comradeship and his closeness and his shepherding into your life. And you get eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You get that. And what does it take? Very, very simple. I receive it. I need this love. You won't find it on the planet except that which came from God himself. And that's why Jesus came. That's how you receive Christ. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray in just a moment in the quietness of your heart. But believers, I know I'm talking to a lot of believers here today. Online sitting here. Look. Get rid of the return lines. That's not how he's loved you. Love like he's loved you. And you say that's so vulnerable. No, not really. It's so beautiful. It's so strong. It'll build the presence of God into your life like nothing else. Fathers, we bow our heads before you. We are awed by your love. We just can't grab it. And and you've said we can't. You said it's it's higher than we can know. It is wider than we can know. It's deeper than we can know. It's just that extravagant, Lord. It's beyond beyond, uh, our comprehension. This kind of perfect love with a period so solid it never moves. Even when we reject you, you said, Lord, that you loved us even while we were yet sinners. This love has always been there. And today, Lord, I pray for those that will respond to that love and just receive it. So if you're here today and you want to receive the love of God, his name is Jesus. And he's going to bring grace and mercy for your sins. And all you do is welcome his love. You invite him into your life. And it sounds something like this. If you want to borrow this prayer in the quietness of your hearts, he's made an appointment with you today to hear your prayer. And you'd say, Father in heaven, I receive your son, Jesus Christ. I receive him because I need love with a period. And I ask you, because of your love, to forgive every sin. I accept your grace and mercy that fully washes my life completely, spotless, brilliantly, shining, clean, past, present, and future. Thank you for the period 
you've put on my love with you. Now, if you're a believer today, a little jar for you and the lines. Now, you're going to walk out of here and end all the lines. Choose one. And say, I'm working on that. My love has to upgrade. The return line's really bold and it's bright and it's way bigger than the line going out. And I need to be an originator with a period. And you start committing yourself to that. You might pray that. Lord, in this one area, make a choice. Which area? It doesn't really matter because you'll move them all ahead, but make this one choice. In this area, Lord, of patience, in this area of kindness, whatever it might be. Father, I still have that return line. It's too big. It's controlling the relationships and my response to them and what I give to them and the richness I can pull from them. Forgive me for that return line. And now, Lord, empower me, teach me as I seek to live with originating love in me with a period in the other person, in my spouse, in my child, in my mom, in my dad, in in my family with whoever, in places of work, in broken relationships of my life. Thank you for your grace to me And I'm choosing to bring grace with a period. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com dot com.